All right, Dunker Punks, as I'm speaking, it's Thanksgiving Day. Now, I know that you're probably listening to this in the days or even weeks following Thanksgiving, but bear with me. I'd like to transport you back to the Thanksgiving table. Come on, take a deep breath. Smell that mouth-watering flavor from the turkey. Feel the steam coming off of the stuffing and the mashed potatoes. In the background, children and pets scamper by. Take a look at the people you love. Now, let's all join hands and do our favorite Thanksgiving tradition. Listen to some Dunker Punk's music by Jacob Krause while we ponder the things that we're most thankful for. I don't want to be rich, don't want to be popular, don't want to be selfish, no. I don't want to be a goat. Don't wanna be ignorant, don't wanna be blindfolded, I just wanna be countercultural. I don't wanna be violent, don't wanna have a vendetta, don't wanna be vengeful, no. I don't wanna be a soldier, don't wanna be militaristic, don't wanna help that cycle, I just wanna be a countercultural pacifist. I don't wanna be a racist, don't wanna be a capitalist, don't wanna be sexist, no. I don't wanna pass judgment, don't wanna hold grudges. Wanna be hateful, I just wanna be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditional lover. I don't wanna shop at Walmart, don't wanna grow Monsanto, don't wanna drink Coca-Cola, no. I don't wanna burn petrol, don't wanna eat perfect fruit, don't wanna feel guilty, I just wanna be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditionally loving organic gardener. I wanna be authentic, I wanna be radical, I wanna be optimistic, honest, beautiful, I wanna be humble, I wanna be progressive, I wanna be open, I'm inspiration. I wanna be like John Wesley, or Sarah Major, or Anna Mao. I wanna be like Martin Luther, or Martin Luther King Jr., like Santa Claus, Johnny Appleseed, Dirk Galim, or Gandhi, Alexander Mack, John Klein, George Fox, or Jesus Christ. But mostly, I just wanna be me. I just wanna be me. I asked you to get into the Thanksgiving mindset because in today's episode, we're going to listen to an intergenerational family conversation, the kind you might even hear at the Thanksgiving table. Or maybe not for some of you, because I promise everyone gets along just fine in this recording. Alyssa Parker, the racial justice organizing intern for On Earth Peace, is behind the mic today with her mom, Jennifer, and her nana, Sandra. In this conversation, Alyssa leads her family to reflect and reminisce on their experiences in the Church of the Brethren, how things have changed, how they hope things will change, and what they hope continues to remain the same. 
In this episode, you'll hear about Alyssa's experience as one of the first children of color in her congregation, as well as Jennifer and Sandra's journey in introducing their biracial daughter or granddaughter to an all-white church, Midland Church of the Brethren. It's a conversation that isn't always easy or comfortable, but it's filled with love and warmth and humility, the way the best family conversations tend to be. And if you listen closely, you'll even hear a bonus dog too. That I am truly thankful for. Hi, I am here with my mother and my grandmother. You can go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Sandra Heflin. I'm Alyssa's grandmother. I'm 66 years old, and I've been going to Midland Church of the Brethren off and on for 34 years. Hi, I'm Jennifer Utz, Alyssa's mom, and I am 45 years old, and I have also been attending Midland Church of the Brethren off and on for 34 years. Okay, thank you guys for doing this with me. Nana, oh, I'm going to address my grandmother as Nana and my mom as mom for comfort reasons. Uh, Nana, so when you first came to the Church of the Brethren, what was like the dynamic like? Very welcoming, very inclusive, not judgmental on me being a single parent or where I was from. Uh, nobody asked a lot of personal questions allowed me to um, participate as I felt. They offered different things and there was gentle encouragement. There was no pushiness or in-your-face type. Um, there was no timeline, I felt, that I was expected to join the church and that was very welcoming to me because I was a person that didn't like, didn't like to be pushed or overwhelmed. And the dynamic, we were very active in the community. We had a very good women's fellowship. We uh, met monthly. We always had, once a year, we had a project, a outreach project. We cooked meals two or three times a year for the local community Ruritan Club, special events in the community that we, as a group, catered. Uh, we had a Christmas a bazaar. We made, had arts and crafts. And the money that we raised was for a particular project. And I remember one year we raised money to dig a well for a village somewhere in Africa. I don't remember the country, but we were able to provide enough money to dig a well for that village so that people could, the women wouldn't have to go to the river, which was a long ways away to get their, their drinking and washing water. We had social social events as well, but we always had a project and eventually they came about doing Apple Fest, which the money event initially that we earned from doing that community outreach was to support our Christian school. But in later years, we split the money between that and some other outreach in the community. We gave out bottles of water at the grocery store. We had a crop walk that I used to participate in, along with a couple other community churches. There was a time that we actually went visiting door to door, you know, to, to witness to people. That kind of didn't go over really well because the brethren typically are not, they're very gentle in the way that they show their faith. We, we do it by service and by reaching the community 
uh, through soup kitchens, um, Habitat for Humanity. They always would help us to move if a family member uh, had a need to move to a new, people would get together, we'd have a moving party, build a ramp for an elderly person, we repaired a, a member's roof on her trailer, helped her find a job, just a lot of things that we took care of our church, but we also had funds that we participated in, the FISH program, which was money that other churches gave to a common fund to help people in the community who had their electricity shut off. We presently have a soup, uh, not a soup kitchen, we have a pantry, a food pantry called Feed My Children that was started by one member of our church oh, maybe 10 years ago. And that's been very successful to reaching people in the community. They don't ask a lot of questions. If you have a need, they provide. I remember you talking about how strict the church used to be. Yes, we've come a long way. We've uh, relaxed, maybe is a good way of putting it, or have accepted some of the more worldly ways. Um, dress is not as important anymore, you know, looking and being your Sunday best. Um, we've relaxed, you know, it's more accepting if you come to church, they want you there, not the way you look necessarily. You're encouraged to, um, to be involved in whatever way, you know, Bible studies or whatever. We have uh, coffee and fellowship on Sunday mornings for our Sunday school. All are welcome. So socially, it sounds like there was a lot of really good outreach happening, a lot more for like socioeconomic status type things. What was the dynamic like culturally in the church? Well, as long as I've been going there culturally, we're just not in an area that we've not had a real presence of other ethnic groups. Uh, once you and your sister came along, uh, you were probably the first biracial children who were involved in the life of our church. And I believe y'all were accepted very, very well. I don't know that you ever felt singled out. That may be different, but I've always thought y'all were very welcomed. When your father and your grandmother came to visit on several occasions, I think they both said they were very felt very welcomed. Because we've primarily been a white church, I don't know the reason for that, other than just that we do have black churches in our community, and we have other churches that are in the community that are mixed, but I don't know the reason that we've been predominantly white. What was it like having a youth in the church. So well, it was wonderful. You know, it was annoying sometimes. <laughs> Especially, you know, when, they, uh, when they're cutting up. But that's, you know, that's just... I was always raised, you're seen but not heard. <laughs> we had this one family when I first went there. I was so impressed. Chester Beam and his wife. They had seven children. Boys and girls. And they were like stair steps. The oldest was probably same age as my children, you know, 12, 13, all the way down to a baby in arms. And he was a farmer, and they took up two pews in the front of the church, the very front of the church, in front of the organ. You never heard a peep out of them. They never got up to go to the bathroom, and I thought, oh, these are perfect children. 
that was just that family that was like that. And everybody else has, you know, the pastor's kids were little holy terrors. They would run all over the place. They were, that little boy, he was like three years old and he was a pistol. But um, the youth bring, like the little kids, I love it because the children's story. I get more out of the children's story than I think the kids do. Because you just love to hear their spontaneous answers and the way they, sometimes they can surprise you with what they've soaked up, learning Bible verses or hearing a Bible story. And we've always had an interactive type. The teacher, the, the person giving the story, will she'll read a story or tell a story and she'll say, you know, ask a question. And the kids just are wonderful the way they pipe up and they can just surprise you so much with their with their responses. And as they get older, it, it really surprises you sometimes how much they've soaked up, how much faith that they have because they they just trust. Now, Mom, what was it like being a youth at the same time? It was actually great. Um, when I was a youth around 13 or 14, we had a lot of youth in the church. Um, the pastor had young children also. Um, we did so much stuff as a youth with the church. We thrived, we went into the community, we helped the elders in the church with um, outside yard work. We went to the soup kitchen in DC and fed the homeless um, at least once a month. We did a lot of projects, a lot of services. Also lock-ins at other churches. We got to meet other brother and youth. Um, we had conferences we'd go to. Um, it was just all around. You, the, it was never boring. There was always something to do. The youth, everyone hung out together. Um, we were friends, I think. We all were, we all were friends. Most of us went to school together. Um, and I think why we had so many youth is because of word of mouth, some people brought friends. Um, they started coming, even if their parents didn't, they would come and attend church. We had youth meetings, which they would also come to. In like your youth program, did you ever talk about social work or like cultural differences in terms of faith relations and things like that? Not so much that I can remember. We did talk a lot about about it at the soup kitchen. Um, the majority of the people we fed were people of color. It was very interesting to interact with them. So now what is it like having like me and Kendra as youth in the church? Now you're in kind of like Nana's position. Um, I was excited to actually go back to church and have you guys be at church. Um, we don't have as many youth now, but I think it has helped you in a lot of ways, especially with um, college. You did a lot as a youth with the church um, conferences, same conferences that I went to when I was a youth, which is, it really excites me that you were excited about all of the um, conferences and the lock-ins and all the youth events that, that happened because I did the same thing. And you are one of two, maybe three mothers with children of color. 
like what does that mean to you in context of the church like how do you see our involvement in the church working towards the future of our congregation and of our church in general i really would like to see a more diverse culture in our church um i think it definitely will help the youth in seeing different outlooks and cultures in different people. Norman, do you have anything on that? Well, you know, I had a pretty hard time accepting when I knew your mom was going to have a... That was, that was hard for me because it, it went against everything I had been raised with. I had a younger sister who had gone through that, and it kind of split our family apart because we had different brothers and sisters had different beliefs. And it put my mom in a really bad situation, and I didn't want to put your mom in that situation, but it, it did make me think. And I guess the fact that your dad was such a, an honorable person, stepped up to the plate, went a long way. And when I found out that, you know, he, that his mother was a Christian, and that he had good values. That helped ease some of that concern, you know, helped me get past the color issue. And when it happens in your own family, you have two choices. You either accept it or, you know, you rebel against it. And for me, I never wanted to lose a relationship with, with your mom. That was really important to me. She and I butted heads on a lot of things, but it was really important to me that she and I still have a good relationship. So it was easier for me to accept. It never occurred to me that anybody at our church would say anything because I've been going there a long time. But I really felt like that you were embraced right from the beginning because you started going there. I took you there the first time. I think you were about a year old. And I really, I felt like that was a second chance for me. I hadn't taken your mom and John to church. I used to send them to church. I'd put them on the bus and send them. And I'd stay home and sleep in, you know, I'd go back to bed. And I'm ashamed that I did that. I really am. But I saw that I had a second chance with you. And um, that didn't really have anything to do with your culture or your color. But the fact that the church really warmed up to you and you just sort of soaked it up like a sponge. And I saw you... I saw a lot of you that I saw in John because John was looking for a home when he came to church and you reminded me a lot of him because you wanted to fit in. You were that person that wanted to be a part of something. And your mom, I never, you know, I didn't think that it, I wasn't sure that it meant as much to her in, as a personal relationship with God. I thought it was more of a social thing for her. But I, you know, I've, I've since found out, you know, looking back, that it was a lot more than that. She didn't show it in ways that, that I understood. And I see a lot of Kendra in that way, too. But I think I've got to watch you grow. And I think the fact that we did have a couple other, you know, mixed-race children, families that came there, I think that helped a lot. I don't know if you ever felt any different or not, but I never felt that anybody treated you any different. I don't, I don't feel like anyone treated me any different. I do think that, like, when Daddy and, like, that side of my family came, there was kind of a disconnect. 
where it's kind of like they didn't feel unwelcomed at any means. Everyone was yes, there was this. I don't fit in here. Like, kind of. I felt that way when I went to your Mimi's church. Yeah, and I think it's just the only uh, white people there, and so that and they worship in a little different style. Yeah, and, and like so that's that puts a little. I was comfortable with that, but Gordon had not been around that, and I was okay with it, with their worship style because it's a little bit more evangelical, more praise and worship, and more of a happiness type thing. Our church is more somber, I think, and more low key. So, but I, but definitely, I think uh, you, you and your sister have brought some real life and. I think you've stretched some people to who would not have embraced other children, you know, other races or other mixed, other ethnic background. I do believe there's a couple people I could just think of right off the top of my head who you have stretched their their thinking beyond what they probably would have been okay with. I think that's been good for our church. I think for like me being a youth in the church and it's kind of like I'm moving into that young adult stage whereas like my little sister is still in that youth stage and I think for both of us like our biracial status and like social like the social landscape of everything is so important to us in that respect and I think with me being like an OEP intern and like me going to national youth conference and like things like that happening and being involved in like activism work and like connecting that with my faith in the church is so like so important especially in the youth because it is going to like rebuild the church sooner or later and that's like my next question is like where do you see the church going specifically in terms of the youth and like this idea of building a multicultural church within the church of the brethren I see if you stay involved, if you're in this area and you stay involved in the church and you take that leadership role that you're talking about, maybe being involved in like on a district board and you bring your feelings and your, your culture and your faith, if you bring that to or keep that at our church, I see we grow, I see you're going to bring in lots of, of other people. Because they're going to start, you know, it only takes one or two persons bringing a friend or bringing a, you know, it only took Jennifer bringing, uh, bringing me to church because her friend went there for me to see, because I want to see what kind, I want to make sure she wasn't going to a cult, you know. So I came there and once I saw that it was a Christian church and that they, they believed in what I had been taught, basic Christian beliefs. I had no problem. And I think that if you bring that, keep that coming in our church, and Kendra's seeing that, and then you said we have one or two other. And especially with um, Trisha's kids. They're also. Yeah, they're also. Adopted children coming into the culture. Yeah, and they're. um, And they're. They're biracial. They're they're biracial. Oh, they are. I think. So either through birth or through adoption or osmosis. <laughs> um, and even with our involvement with Camino de Fe and just like reaching out and 
welcoming them into like our services with like the sharing the space that we do that can have a whole different dynamic brought into our church now we do have a little cell of people who don't like that that has been an issue in our church in the past we have some people over here who like a certain style of preaching or they like something they want you to be really strict and then you got there are people who don't like the way that the Sunday like that the Christian school teachers use the property you know I think um, that's we, we have that, and that can also cross over into any time something new happens and somebody upsets the apple cart or wants to do something a little different. We're kind of slow to change in that area. Mm-hmm. We have a core group of people that are have a difficult time with that kind of change. So that's that's going to be an ongoing battle, I think. I think we are not difficult to change. It's slow. slow. It's slow, but always moving forward. And And I think we need to have um, a few people step up and do something active with the youth that we have and try to get some to come back. We definitely need to go out in the community and invite people, have the youth that do attend, um, invite their friends from school, show them that we, you know, that we care about our community and we you know, want to see them and, you, you know, know help, I think it, help our youth, church grow. The youth used to have a program they did. When you were in there, did they have like a Bible study period in there or did y'all? Talk? We did that during our youth meeting. Your meeting. Yes. Right. We used to do so Bible. You had, a, you had some religious and then it would, you'd have some broadened conversation about what's going on in the world and how does what you just sort of like a little Sunday school class somewhat. But then you always had an outreach project. Mm-hmm. And if, like they used to wash cars for the congregation or they deliver Christmas cards and we mm-hmm. put 10 cents a box in the youth. So they're raising money, but they're doing things also for, they had a project they were working toward, like, like in Bible school. You're gonna fill how many backpacks for kids, needy kids in the community. Mm-hmm. If you have a goal, if you have something that takes kids out of themselves, if you have a project, if you have a an outreach, that is really important for young people because it teaches them to be selfless. It teaches them to tie their time as well as their money when they get old enough. So I think it's not just it's important not just to have a social club, but to have something out there that we're striving toward that you know once like i said the women's fellowship once a year we picked an outreach and we had fun things we did makeovers one time somebody brought in their doll collection we had social times but we always had enough projects going that we were reaching outside ourselves to do something in the community or in the world so to wrap up i think it would be fun if each of us has three hopes for our congregation in general or the church as a whole moving forward. Like, what are your hopes for the church in the future? One, that we get a woman pastor or a young, younger pastor who has a heart for, for young people. We need leadership for young people. Two, the church needs some more programs or something for the elderly for the aging congregation, specifically for them. And the third 
I think would be that we get back to what, like we were at the budget meeting the other night and you know the the budget is split into three or four different categories administrative and they have line items and then we have the outreach or the the evangelical things that reach out in the community and then the things that stay in the church for the life of the church and every year we give less and less to the outreach mm -hmm. and I would like to see our church go back to being more of a servant providing funds or reaching out to to the community um, okay one my first hope is that we do get a young pastor regardless man or woman with a family with hopefully children two for the the whole church of the brethren as a whole I would like to see our church and other churches in our district get back into visiting each church, doing a potluck, doing some kind of... Um, school of Christian growth. Yeah. We used to have a school of Christian growth, and we would go to... Each church was designated for a weekend, and they would do a light brunch, and we would go there. We'd split into groups, um, and we'd go to these little... Like workshops. Like little, oh, yeah, like workshops. And it was geared from all the way down to baby, all the way to old. You had something for everyone. And you got to re got to interact with people from another church of the brethren that might be an hour away, might be half an hour away, but they're all in your district. I think we need to be, instead of just focusing on our church, we need to be involved with the other churches also because they can give us help. If they know of people moving or they could recommend people coming to our church if they're moving to the area. I really think that would be wonderful to try to get into. Third, I really would like to see our youth have more activities in the church. Like monthly meetings or getting them all together and just doing like maybe a Bible study. Maybe something small and intimate to get everyone together. Good. Okay, so I'll end with my three hopes. My first hope is that our congregation and the church as a whole will have more voices of color and be more open. I'd say we're pretty open, but more proactive in pushing for leaders who are like multi-ethnic biracial like different than us in like any different ways like women any different sense um to a leader for our youth i'm not gonna say like a young pastor i just think a person who is motivated to reinvent our youth and anyone who is going to be upbeat and get youth to stay in our church, as well as to get more youth to join our church. And three, I feel like more education for adults and youth in terms of connecting. Kind of like, we have these like separate, separate spheres of like what's in our like spiritual realm and what's in our worldly realm. And I think it would be really cool to see how, like, what we do in our actions in our communities and, like, social justice and work like that relates to our faith and how we can use our faith to do the other and, like, how they relate with one another. I think that is 
important and we should discuss it at the minimum and then educate and be active in our outside community as a church. But yeah, so thank you guys. I loved Sandra's line about how the church is changing through birth, through adoption, and even in her words, through osmosis. Maybe I'd add in immigration and invitation as well. The church is changing, hallelujah. And it's true that we need to have more conversations about race and multiculturalism. I'm thankful for leaders in our church, including Alyssa, who are moving that conversation forward faithfully and persistently. I'm hopeful that our consciousness and our effort will only continue to grow. Alyssa said it best, it is time to be proactive. I was so moved by the hopes that Alyssa spells out for her church and for the Church of the Brethren as a denomination. I was even more moved knowing that she has been working to embody that hope within herself and the communities of which she is a part. We owe it to Alyssa to work to embody that hope as well. We have to be allies and partners of that work. We have to lift up and we have to listen. And especially for us white dunker punks, we have to ask how we can help or if we can help and not just look for how we can lead. One step is through conversations just like this. Conversations filled with warmth and love and humility. Conversations that span generations and include people of all colors. Conversations that look backward, but move forward. That's my prayer today. Alyssa, I am thankful for you today for bringing us into your family. The Dunker Punks podcast is produced by a team of contributors from around the United States who are committed to having conversations filled with warmth, love, and humility. Our episode was edited by Kevin Schatz and produced by Suzanne Lay. Today's content contributor was Alyssa Parker, and my name is Emmett Wachowski Eldred. I'm one of your hosts. The Dunker Punks podcast is made possible by the generous support and hospitality of the Arlington Church of the Brethren in Arlington, Virginia. If you're in Arlington, Virginia, or the surrounding area, give them a visit. Otherwise, you can learn more about them by visiting arlingtoncob.org. We are always looking for new ideas, new content contributors, and new talent to bring to this podcast. Not to mention, we're always on the lookout for more supporters, more listeners, more subscribers, and yes, more donors. If you'd like to be involved or support our work, contact us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. You can learn more about this podcast at arlingtoncob.org slash dpp or at dunkerpunks.com or by finding us on social media at dunkerpunkspod. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. I just want to be me.